Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Okay, today we're talking about um, breathing. And breathing is incredibly important. It's, it's, I'm actually an expert at it. I've been doing it for about 62 and a half years now. Um, so I'm qualified to talk about the subject. But, you know, it's not just breathing. Okay, we're going to talk about a bunch. And the second half, the censored portion, we're going to explain what the Supreme Court is at how they're actually going for our freedoms. Now, um, we've started a new YouTube channel. The John B. Cairo that I've had for 15 years um, is being censored heavily. And so look for True Health Tuesdays on YouTube. Uh, but we also, we've got the Dr. B. VIP which thank you for everybody that's supporting us. I really appreciate that. Um, we also have the drjohnbergman.com. We're on Odyssey, on Rumble. Uh, I mean, just thank you for supporting us, and we're going to keep getting the message out, even though we're being censored. Uh, Extreme Health Academy, um, I'm with them. Every month I worked about five hours this weekend answering questions. Now let's look at the lungs because I'm going to show you some things. Now, if you have chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, if you have digestion problems, anxiety, any of that, well, let me tell you, breathing is going to be one of the contributing factors, poor breathing, and one of the corrective factors, good breathing. Now, your nervous system controls the lungs. It's literally the parasympathetic initiates bronchoconstriction. So bronchoconstriction is parasympathetic dilation. That means it's closing off dilation or opening is the sympathetic nervous system. And this is why um, a lot of asthma drugs are used by athletes because they're a sympathetic stimulant. And remember, you've got an automatic nervous system. One part keeps you alive under stress, and that's the sympathetic or fight or flight. The other part regenerates tissue, and that's the parasympathetic. And it's interesting because parasympathetic, if you sit a lot during the day or have had some kind of pelvis trauma, or you've had a whiplash trauma and you have a neck issue, that parasympathetic could be um, not functioning correctly. And this could also be contributing to respiration, um, breathing, to sleep pattern changes, to bowel movements, to literally how your body reproduces itself. So not only does the automatic nervous system control and coordinate every function in the body, uh, let's look at breathing. Now, one of the mnemonics, and I used to teach mnemonics all the time. We were teaching the board reviews. C3, C4, C5 keeps you alive. That's C3. C sounds for cervical, and cervical is the neck area. So we're talking the mid to lower neck area is the nerve to the diaphragm. Now, the diaphragm is actually a muscle. And we're going to be working with this diaphragm because not only is the diaphragm um, absolutely important for respiration, but it's also important for digestion and immune system function. So when we talk about C3, C4, C5 keeps you alive, it's a lot more than just breathing, although breathing is pretty important. Now, this is, um, we actually have an apprenticeship program that we talked the last Thursday of every month, and this was what we were talking about in the apprenticeship program on the Dr. B VIP site. Uh, it's just we went into a boatload more depth. But So I'm giving you a glimpse into what's going on with, with our apprenticeship program. 
Um, now, when you breathe in, your diaphragm comes down and draws that air in. So almost like like drawing um, a, a needle or or uh, creating a negative pressure in that lung tissue, allowing air to flow in. And then when you breathe out, um, the diaphragm relaxes and the lungs collapse and the air goes out. It's interesting that you have expansile tissue or tissue on the rib cage that make the ribs want to pop out. You've got contractile tissue or the lungs actually want to co collapse. So exhalation is very, very, very relaxed. And inhalation requires the movement of that diaphragm and the chest. So, so just think of that too. So the lungs are always wanting to collapse. The ribs are always wanting to pull out. And so you have this cavity, this pleural cavity, that's a, a vacuum in between the ribs popping out and the lungs collapsing. Collapsing. This is why, like if you've ever seen any movies where someone's shot in the chest or or stabbed or a broken rib or anything, if their chest starts to pop out, the ribs start to pop out over that wound area. That is the biggest clue that they have a collapsed lung. So that is an incredible emergency. But, you know, then again, anytime you have a broken bone in the chest or, or pierce the pleural cavity with, you know, a splinter tree, whatever, okay, that is gonna, that's a major thing. It's just if you're in first aid, uh, you can recognize the collapsed lung by seeing the rib cage pop out. And now, every time you breathe in, and there's a couple of holes in this diaphragm, one of them is for the esophagus, and that's the tube that brings the food down. The other is for the inferior vena cava, and that's the veins coming back. And the other is for big red, the aorta, coming down. Now, you've got a couple of muscles, the psoas muscles on the back. Um, they don't really pierce it. They just go around through the back half of that muscle. And um, But, you know, look at the, the it, blood tube, aorta, the drainage the vein and the food tube or the esophagus is drained into the stomach. So you've got the liver and stomach right hugging the bottom of this diaphragm. Now, every time you breathe, if you're breathing correctly, that diaphragm is going to come down and it's going to actually move the digestive organs, but your tummy is going to come out. So you blow out, your tummy comes in, and then the air comes out. So we're going to go over diaphragmatic breathing. But it won't, what I want you to understand is that diaphragmatic movement affects all the digestive organs, every organ in your gut. So you're looking at, at liver, kidneys, digestive tract. Everything is affected by that. Now, your lungs are composed of alveoli. The alveoli are they're little tiny grape sacs of clusters. And these grape sacs allow the oxygen to be transferred. And this is the oxygen carbon dioxide. And now, there's a thin, thin film of lubricant in there called surfactant. And if your body is dehydrated, and this is where uh, most asthmatics are, um, your body can't produce that surfactant. So what it ends up doing is producing mucus. And this is why people with asthma have 10 times the amount of mucus in their lungs than a person who doesn't have asthma. And so this is hugely important. When you're talking good lung function, good hydration. 
would be ideal. Um, when we look, there's also sensors um, that come up from the heart because you've got the blood supply to the head is called the carotid arteries. And those split to internal and external carotid. Right at that junction where those, those, those arteries split, um, you've got these two sensors. One senses carbon dioxide, one senses pressure. So you have a chemoreceptor and a baroreceptor. Baro is the pressure. And, and so you've got this constant sensory input. So if carbon dioxide levels are high, then bam, that, that heart rate's going to increase to get more lung, um, blood to the lungs to do that carbon dioxide oxygen transfer. If the system becomes too an alkaline, then the body's going to slow down that heart rate, allowing more carbon dioxide to accumulate, balancing the uh, CO2 or the pH levels. So when you think about it, the, the body's got to be between 7.35 and 7.45 pH. So that's like one-tenth of one percent, okay, that it has to be. If you're a percent above or a, a, a tenth of a percent above or a tenth of a percent below, um, you're going to die. Okay, so you've got to look at this, that the body is constantly regulating. And there are four things that your body regulates your pH or the acid-base balance. Respiration, perspiration, pooping and peeping. So, so you've got bowel movements. So if somebody has one bowel movement a day when they should have three, that's a contributing factor. If someone is sedentary and they're not breathing hard, that's a contributing factor. Um, if you're looking at um, perspiration, you're not you're not sweating. So this is why saunas are so good. Okay, if you're when you talk about respiration, respiration is how you're alkalinizing. You're getting rid of carbon dioxide. So if you have oh I don't know, say a face covering where you're rebreathing in your own waste, your CO2 levels go through the roof, and your body becomes more acidic, and that actually weakens your immune system. So this insane world where you're wearing masks, um, you know, it ain't based in science, brother. Um, and now you've got that sensor, though. So that sensor in the neck controls the carbon dioxide oxygen transfer. And it's interesting, too, because you've got arteries that have a muscle layer in it. And these make it constrict and then dilate. So if CO2 goes up, heart rate goes up, breathing goes up, blood pressure goes up. CO2 rates go down, heart rate goes down, breathing goes down, blood pressure goes down. Wait a second. Didn't I just say that blood pressure just went up and went down? That's right. There isn't a consistent blood pressure in the body. The body is going to require different elevations and, and um, declines in blood pressure based on the need. There's nothing wrong with your body if you're consistently um, diagnosed with high blood pressure. Uh, you just have blood that's not efficient or, um, you know, you're, you're in a chronic state of stress. And look at our blood pressure videos because there's a difference between the high number and the low number. And that's the systolic is the high number, diastolic is the low number, if you take that dif difference between the high and the low, let's say it's 120 over 80, that distance between 120 and, and 80 is 40, and that would be called pulse pressure. 
So getting the pulse pressure will tell you the status of stress or the health of your blood. And that's, that's going to be fantastic because nobody has high blood pressure. Nobody has high blood pressure in this world, but they do have chronic stress. So that's one thing that we've got to re-educate the medical doctors and the public on. And it's interesting, too. There's a couple of articles I'm going to um, uh, share. One out of the JMPT, Journal of Manipulative and Physiologic Therapeutics, and the other out of the Journal of Human Hypertension. Both of those show that the chiropractic adjustment was, well, more effective uh, than a two-drug combination therapy. I'd say it's a lot more effective because there's no negative side effects of this. Now, postural muscles and phasic muscles, when we're talking about respiration, you've got the muscles on either side of the spine. Now, let's say that you have um, chronic but like let's say you're rounded over your shoulders. You had some trauma in the past that caused you to lose some of the curve in your neck. Maybe you have rounded over shoulders. This is hugely important because if you have that, that rounded over shoulder posture, you're decreasing the lung effect. And just do it right now. As long as you're not driving a car, round your shoulders over and take a deep breath. Then sit up nice and straight. Stick your chest out, chin up, and then take a deep breath. It's considerably easier. So we have to change that kyphosis. Now, I'm going to demonstrate a very, very cool exercise using our foam piece. And that's the same foam piece that we give to all of our patients. And you could use um, a plastic water bottle. Glass water bottle might be a little bit dangerous uh, because if the glass breaks and you're laying on it, that would be really bad. Okay, so foam piece, plastic water bottle, anything like that. But you place it in between your shoulder blades. And so we're talking um, just below the spinous of the scapula, which is um, about halfway on the scapula. And you place it there, and you may have to put some pillows underneath your head because you've got a four-inch diameter pushing from the back to the front. Now, if you're going to do this exercise, this hurts, and it hurts bad. But i got to tell you, the good part about it is when you have this foam piece, you're laying on your back, your chest is starting to open up, that's when you deep breathe. And deep breathing is hugely important because that increases the pressure in your chest, and that's called intrathecal pressure. And that intrathecal pressure um, fills the joints up with fluid, and those are the spinous joints, the discs joints. And this is one of the greatest exercises ever. Until you get flexible enough, you may want to have a bit of a um, like headpiece. You may want to have a couple of pillows. All of that would be fantastic. Now, when we look at asthma, asthma had 10 times the amount of mucus as somebody who doesn't have asthma. And so there is a dehydration. But it's interesting, according to the World Health Organization, Asthma is predominantly a disease of the privileged classes, and a higher level of education is associated with. This is according to the World Health Organization. Yeah, yeah, makes you want to follow them. Um, out of the Lancet, though, quote, although asthma is at present a disease of affluent societies, increasing westernization and urbanization of the population elsewhere are leading to increased prevalence. And interesting. 
hygiene hypothesis, and this is wondering, see, if you're in a sterile environment, like if you are a kid raised with animals in childcare, you have a bunch of cousins, you know, you have very, very low prevalence of asthma. Um, drinking unpasteurized milk, raw milk, exposure to farm animals, all of these things protect you. Uh, f large family sizes. Now, why is this important? Because we need that bacterial exposure. And you may be thinking back to the insane medical recommendations that over the last two years. And I know, I know, they were crazy, but just it's to flatten the curve so the hospitals didn't get overwhelmed. You remember that term, flatten the curve? No, I know. It's, it's been long since forgotten. Um, and in the second half, we're going to make sure this never happens again. But just know that the hygiene hypothesis, this is the people that are spraying Purell everywhere. They're wearing a mask. Um, they're not breathing around other people. I mean, and, and they're, you know, they're programmed. They're following the program. Um, you need bacteria. You need this environment. This is how your immune system and your body adapts better to the world, better to the world if you have um, raw milk bacteria. I mean, figure children who drank raw milk had a 41% reduced chance of developing asthma and 50% reduction in hay fever. Now, we've got a population, and this is out of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology, we've got a population that asthma and allergies is through the roof. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, this is a lifetime of medication that these people are going to be taking for a condition that is really easily correctable. I mean, easily correctable. You correct the, the physical, chemical, emotional stress, build up the gut flora, and expose the person to bacteria and pathogens and fungi and viruses. I know. Let's just look at this. Okay, the importance of microflora. 80% of the immune system resides in the gut. Your bacteria outnumber your cells 10 to 1. Now think of that. You've got about 70 trillion cells. That means you've got 10 times that, or 700 trillion cells, or bacteria. Um, you're, I mean, bacteria outnumber you 10 to 1. Uh, there's 100 trillion bacteria, about 2 to 3 pounds worse inside your gut, but you've got bacteria on your, your eyelashes, on your skin. Now, the bacteria are incredibly good for you because they keep yeast in check. They produce B vitamins. Now, viruses, according to Dr. Philip Sharp, now this guy, Nobel Prize winner, um, Center for Cancer Research at MIT, quote, we humans are well over 50% viral. Viral elements are a large part of the genetic material, most all organisms. Uh, it, isn't that something? Viruses are bacteriophages. They, they actually are beneficial viruses in your body that can actually eat up pathogenic bacteria. And they outnumber your bacteria 10 to 1. So wait a second. You got your cells, and then you got 10 times that amount of bacteria. Then you got 10 times the bacteria and viruses. You have about 44 quadrillion viruses in your body. <clears throat> I know, put down the Purell. Put down the Purell. I want to say this to my, I've got three sisters and one of them is a Purell addict. Um, 
So, and look at this. There's so much evidence out there. This is out of the Journal, journal of Clinical and Experimental Allergy. Antibiotic use in infancy may be associated with an increased risk of developing asthma. And here's one out of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology. There's an association between antibiotic use in the first year of life and current symptoms of asthma and eczema in children. Now, why would antibiotic use... And again, you can say glyphosates, like if you're eating commercially produced bread, that is an antibiotic. Um, if you're breathing in, okay, the Purell smell or Lysol or all this other stuff, remember, you have a symbiotic relationship with viruses, funguses, and bacteria. If you're doing something to kill the bacteria, you are damaging your immune system. You are damaging your immune system. I mean, Tylenol and asthma. They found out um, the majority, and this was out of the European Journal of Public Health, a study involving over 20,000 children. Uh, the children in the younger age group who received the medicine called Tylenol were at 70% greater risk of asthma than those receiving Tylenol once a month, a 540% more likely to have asthma. It not that something? So um, you take a drug like Tylenol once a year and in your child you get a 70% increased risk of, of asthma. If you take Tylenol once a month, now what are people doing? Yeah, they're doing two to three Tylenol every day for about a week. You're taking it once a month, you get a 540% increase in asthma. Now remember, your lung responds to inhaled substances normally. You're breathing in like smoke, dust, pollen. The airways become narrowed in flame, and this draws blood to the area to increase immune system defenses. That, that's the bronchitis. And mucus is produced to, tap, uh, to trap the substances. So you have this entire ecosystem of the lungs. Now, the problem with asthmatics is their airways are hypersensitive to triggers. And this, again, involves bronchoconstriction, inflammation, excessive mucus production. Uh, I mean, it's horrible. Bonds is similar to a normal person, but the asthmatic is hypersensitive. Now, in asthmatics, they're more of a Th2 or an inflammatory acute response. Now, antibodies are produced in the inhaled allergen. When a person is exposed to the same allergen, the antibodies recognize it. Inflammation results, airways thicken, mucus is produced, and bronchospasms, shutting that off, um, occur. In essence, asthma is the result of an immune response in the bronchial airways. Isn't that something? So asthma is not a breathing issue. It's a breathing symptom with a nervous system issue. So it's the immune system response in the bronchial airways. So what kind of things can negatively affect the immune system? Well, since we can't say vaccines, um, we can say censored, censored, censored. Okay, so and, and there is algorithms on all of these different things. And so if I say a word, they're going to print it up and that'll flag our radio show if I talk about an injectable medical procedure particularly one without informed consent. But this is an article at a UCLA public school of health at Department of Epidemiology.
The title is Vensard. Remember, it's not, it's vaccine and censored. Vensard and asthma. Quote, the odds of having any allergy-related respiratory symptoms in the past 12 months was 63% greater among vensored subjects than unvensored subjects. Um, <laughs> oh, God, what a crazy friggin' world. Um, so, so when you look at this, why? Because we're looking at an, an inflammatory response. And vensards literally do have infl inflammatory um, responses. I mean, they're, they're literally a Th2 response. And here's one that's interesting. Out of the British Medical Journal, viruses are beneficial for asthma. Wait a second. Shouldn't we be afraid of all viruses and cover up your mask and do Puriel? No. Okay, repeated viral infections other than lower respiratory tract infections early in life may reduce the risk of developing asthma. Turns out that since you have 10 times the amount of bacteria in your body than you have cells, you've got 10 times the bacteria of viruses. You need to learn to live with these. When we look at glyphosate, powerful selective antibiotic that kills um, the microorganisms in the soil and intestines. So let's look at what our, our brilliant CDC government, the unelected officials that chose which businesses are essential and which not, which crashed our entire economy. Um, what is COPD on their site? Chronic obstructive pulmonary disease is a group of diseases that block airflow and related breathing problems. It includes emphysema and chronic bronchitis, making it difficult for the 16 million Americans that have this. Millions more suffer from COPD, but they haven't been diagnosed. So let's see what these brilliant doctors suggest. Well, they have 13 recommendations, okay? And they categorize their recommendations for weak, neither forward nor against, or nothing. Um, one, they recommend smoking sensation. cessation. That makes sense. Uh, routine vaccinations for influenza. Well, that doesn't make sense because it triggers a Th2 response and can weaken the immune system. Next one, uh, inhaled steroids. Okay, now inhaled steroids weaken your immune system and increase your risk of cancer. Um, offending long-acting beta steroids. Again, that's also um, recommended seven steroids. The other one, um, long-acting beta antagonist, nine uh, long-acting beta antagonist, 10 uh, long-acting beta antagonist and steroids. So literally out of the 13 recommendations, and I could go over everything, they have one called um, NAC, which is actually a supplement that that's fantastic. They say there's not enough information for or against this. So they suggest absolute um, drugs for everything. But let's look at PubMed. Let's look at the National Institute of Health, .gov. 2011, efficacy of diaphragmatic breathing in patients with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Now get this, 29 patients after four minutes of natural breathing, then two minutes of diaphragmatic breathing, followed by four minutes of natural breathing, um, 
increased tidal volume. That means they could breathe more, reduction in breathing frequency. So it's not like, <laughs> okay, leading to higher ventilation, oxygen saturation, and, and amazing. And diaphragmatic scores for people that didn't do this, okay, they had, um, I mean, horrible. It just, it just didn't work. So just breathing different, diaphragmatic breathing. Here's another one, um, the article out of 2020, Effects of Diaphragmatic Breathing on Health. So if you learn to breathe through your diaphragm, it helps the brain, the cardiovascular, the respiratory, gastrointestinal systems, uh, modulation of autonomic functions, improves the exercise capacity, reduces stress, treats eating disorders. This is why I want you to diaphragmatic breathe all day long. Helps with hypertension, migraines, anxiety. Um, Im improves patients with cancer. Helps with reflux disease. Um, it's, it helps with heart failure. And this is just breathing correctly, correctly. So this is what you're going to do. One hand on your tummy, one hand on your chest. On three, you're going to push in your tummy and make sure you're not dry when you do this. And you're going to blow out. One, two, three, push in and blow out. Now breathe in through your nose and fill up your tummy. Push your tummy out. Blow out and push in. Breathe in and push out. And when you're breathing in, you're breathing in through your nose and your tummy's filling up with air. That is ideal. Now, if you do 10 diaphragmatic breaths every hour, you're helping your heart, your digestive, your lungs, every function in your body. The diaphragmatic breathing is the best exercise that you can do. And then vitamin C, get lots of vitamin C. Vitamin A, hugely important for good lung function. Um, take care of yourself because there is a lot of challenges and misinformation out there, but your body is already designed to survive this. In the second part, we're going to go over um, how the courts are going to take back our government. So this is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.